Good morning. Today's daf is Yuma Ayin Ches. We are on Ayin Zion, 14 lines up. The line is going to begin Haluka. We're going to start the next word, Matkif. We're going to start with our sponsors now because we have a lot of ground to cover. We have a Talmud Torah sponsor by Adam and Yudit Ben Zev in honor of the children, Jake, Serena, and Rosie. And a week of learning sponsored by the Friends of the Pacinos to wish Mel and Judy a Mazel Tov and Seisheb Neshalem on their upcoming Aliyah. Although we are sad to see you go, we cannot be happier if you embark on the next stage of your life. Wonderful. So picking up again, Ayin Zayin Ahmed Base, 14 lines up. The top we were on was wading through a river or a body of water on Yom Kippur. And we said that was not a problem of washing, even up to the neck. If someone's wading through all this water, we brought sources that it was allowed. And they had a question, you know, could I, could I go through the river on Yom Kippur? And we said, go right ahead. So Maskev, Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef has a problem with this. Bechol ki gavna mishari. Are you even allowed on a weekday to wade through a water source up to one's neck. Rashi says, this is Sakana. Wading through a river that's neck deep, somebody could easily uh, get in trouble that way. Haksiv, he says, there's a Pasuk in Yechezkel. This is where we left off yesterday. Yesterday we started with Psukim in Yechezkel about the, the Nebuch, the Avodah Zara, and the bowing to the sun, and the Maise Balpor in the temple. That was in the beginning of Yechezkel. These Psukim are near the end of Sefer Yechezkel when the angels are showing Yechezkel a vision of the third base of Mikdash and the famous water source issuing from the Kodesh Kadashim, from the Holy of Holies, that we're going to learn about right now. So they measured, the angel measured a thousand Amma outside of the city of Yerushalayim. And he led me through the stream. This is the stream coming from the Kodesh Kadashim, and it was ankle deep. It was me'afsayim. You can cross a river that's ankle deep, no problem. And the angel measured another thousand Amma, Ve'avreni b'mayim me'birkayim. And at that point it was me'birkayim, it was mayim up to the knees. Mikan shemutr la'avor adabirkayim. So now we know it's mutter to cross a river that's knee deep. Ve'yamed elef, angel measured another thousand Amot outside of Yerushalayim. Ve'avreni me'mot na'im. And it was water up to the waist. Mikan shemutr la'avor ad matnaim. Now we know it's mutter to cross river up to the waist. But mikan ve'elech, ve'yamed elef nachol. So at another thousand Amma on, it was Mamish, it was a raging river. This water source from the Kodesh Kodesh is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, as we're going to see. And now he couldn't cross anymore. Once it was past his waist deep, he couldn't cross it. This is Rav Yosef's kasha. You're telling me it's no problem on Yom Kippur to wade across a river or a body of water that's even up to the neck. It's not a problem of washing. He's just trying to cross the river. But listen, you can't even cross a river that's waist deep. It's dangerous. It's not possible to cross it in a safe manner. Amar Abaye, shiny nachal duradife. He says, this nachal, this stream, this mighty river raging out of Yerushalayim from the third base of Mikdash, it's radife. It's fast. It's a fast-moving current. That kind of water, waist deep, you shouldn't be crossing. But if it's very calm water, even neck deep, you could cross it. It's not a problem of danger, and it's not a problem of washing on Yom Kippur. Obviously, the guy's not going into the river and then scrubbing himself and bringing a bar of soap. He's simply trying to get to the other side. We said yesterday he's going to guard his fruit. There's a possible Hefzid Ruba, or he's going to go to the Shear, going to the Drasha on Yom Kippur. And remember, Rav Yosef let them cross over the river and even let them go back. And he says, because if you don't let them go back, you're machshul them, they're not going to come in the first place. Remember, we said yesterday you had Rav Moshe's Hetzer for the Hevrei Chatzola to go out to an emergency call and then go back to the station or back home on Shabbos if you don't let them go, they're not going to be so zaris to, uh, to go out on the emergency call. So we talked about that yesterday. Uh, so this is, this is to go back over the river. So this water from Yerushalayim is different. Redife Mayim is more dangerous. So Yachol, this is talking about this 
this river coming out of Yerushalayim from the third base of Mikdash, maybe you could go uh, swimming across it. Tamalamar Kigau Amayim. The Mayim is now bigger. Meishahu. It's water that could be swum in. My Meishahu. Shiyuta. It's for swimming. Because in Aramaic, Shiyata, which is swimming, is Siyacha. So it's water that you could swim in, but it was too dangerous a current. You couldn't Lamaisa swim in it. Yachal Yavrein of a Borni Katana, maybe you could go across in a small boat, a rowboat, Tamalamar, Valtelech Bo Anishayit. You couldn't cross this river, Yechezkel's talking about this river coming out of Yerushalayim. Once it gets bigger and deeper than waist deep, it was such a current, such a raging water, you couldn't even cross in a boat. Yachal Yavrein of a Borni Gadola, maybe in a large boat, Tamalamar, Tsi Adir Lo Yavreini, a great vessel, a Tsi Adir, you couldn't uh, cross. My Mashma, the Targum Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef brings the Targum. Of, the, of these psukim, we understand we're talking about boats now. You couldn't go in a little fishing boat. And this is the Targum. Even in a large cargo ship, a, a big tanker ship, you couldn't cross this river. It had such a, such a force to it. Even the angel of death could not cross this mighty river which will come out of the Kodesh Gadashim in the third temple. Why? It couldn't cross it, this boat. We understood this as a boat before in the Targum. So this is this famous Pasuk at the beginning of Eov. Hey, Satan, where are you coming from? I've been, you know, traveling the world. And Mishut Aretz is like swimming around the world, boating around the world. So the Sultan is, uses the word shut, and we say an Anishayit couldn't cross this river. So we see that the Malachamavat, who is the Sultan, couldn't cross the river. This reminds us, yesterday we talked about the angels, Mikhail and Gavriel. We said maybe Mikhail should have protested when Hashem said, your nation, Mikhail soured. He should have said, my nation, he should have your nation. We said Gavriel did change his instruction a little bit. He was supposed to take a chafina of burning coals from the Kruvim and throw them on your shalim to make it vulnerable to the Babylonians. And he had the Kruvim hand him the coals instead to cool them off like a cliche. We discussed this in depth yesterday, but it, it, it's an interesting point always when you see that there's this tension where angels are supposed to be robots and they're supposed to just follow divine instructions. And we see that Gabriel changes the instructions just a little bit and gets punished with fiery lashes for it. You have to say, maybe it was Hashem's intention all along that Gabriel changed the instruction because the angels, unlike men, don't have free will. We're the ones with the free will. So it's, a, it's an interesting tension there. Good. Okay. So Amar of Pinchas, we're four lines up from the bottom of Ayin Zayin Amabais. Amar of Pinchas, Mishun Rav Huna Tzipurah. Mayan, Hayotin Bebeit Kodesh Kodashim. This Mayan, it's a spring, a water source in the Kodesh Kodashim in the third temple. It's tiny when it starts like carne hagavim, the horns of grasshoppers, antenna of bugs, tiny. Once it gets to the opening of the hechel. So it starts in the Kodesh Kodashim and it moves through the hechel, through the building of the temple. It becomes a warp thread, which is the thinner thread on the loom. When it gets to the big doors of the ulam, remember the hechel is the narrow building in the back, which has all the, the kalim in it. And then the ulam is the antechamber. It's the wider building in front. So the temple resembles a crouching lion. It's wider in the front. So when it gets to the ulam door, it's a, a woof thread, which is the thicker thread on the loom. But it's still very small. So now it goes out the temple building, and it's got to go around the mizbeach. There's actually machlok is exactly where the mizbeach is in front of the temple. So we say it's kind of in the middle and maybe a tiny bit south. So you could see straight over. So listen, Rabbi, when we're in the third temple, 
We're going to see this little stream coming out, and we're going to say, oh, I learned about this. I learned about this little stream. Everyone else is going to be confused. Listen, why is there a stream coming out of the base of Mikdash? Is the plumbing leaking? What's going on? And we're going to know all about it, because Baruch Hashem, we learned this stuff yummy together. So it, it's going around the Mizbeach, and it's going out the temple. Uh, when it gets to the Shar Nikonor, the opening of the Azara, uh, it's the opening of a small bottle in width. Top of Ayn Ches, Mayim from a pach, from a bottle, So from the threshold of the base of Mikdash through Shar Nikonor is going to come this Mayim the size of a pach. And it gets bigger and deeper, this stream. And it goes up. It doesn't go down, it goes up to Harazetim. To the palace of Beit David. So apparently Mashiach is going to live on Harzaitim. So this this sounds good. It's going to be awesome. Once it brings it gets there, Now it's like already a, a, a strong river, a strong current. That women who've had a child or been a Zava a Zav or Zava could go and use it as a mikvah. So there'll be a mikor opened for the house of David and to those who dwell in Yerushalayim for chatas and nida. They can use it for mechatas and they use it for tefilas nida. Mekor is a word meaning spring, meaning source. It also can refer to a womb. So we see that after childbirth, this could be used as, as a, as a, for purification. Amar Yosef, Mikan Remez. Rav Yosef says there's a hint here. Lenida for a tevelis nida should tzricha leishev ad savara. So it should be um, up to her neck. As we said before, this water rose until it was neck deep. V'mayim v'leitilchasagavasi. The halacha is not like this. So what is the halacha like? That it really a mikvah should be up to the belly button and a little bit more, so that a person could sort of sit into the mikvah. It doesn't have to be neck deep. That's uh, that that's that's nice if you get that deep. You know, not all people are the same height, but it really it has to be up to the belly button and a little bit more. The So it's interesting. This works for Zavin and Zavas. There's actually, when you get into the mikvah, not when you get into the mikvah mamish, that's also good to get into the mikvah mamish. When you get to the sugya of mikvayos, we're going to see this throughout Shas. We're, we're going to learn Shas. We're going to see this a few times. There's a chiluk between uh, Anida and Kalim. When you're tovel, you're Kalim. When you buy new Kalim made by non Jews and you want to put them in the mikvah, that's the mitzvah, or Anida to Latayer Labaila, going to the mikvah, that even standing water works for that. As long as it's rainwater or spring water that's gathered in one place, that's good enough. But for a zav and a zava, you want a mayan or a river. You want flowing water. There's a, this distinction in halacha. So this was a mayan. There's mamish a mayan in the Kodesh Kadashim that's getting bigger and bigger until it's deep enough by harizetim, by the palace of Melech HaMashiach, that they can use it as a mikvah. It's amazing to think that there's a mikvah for, for women right by the palace of Melech HaMashiach. It's, it's not such a kasha. We learned a Gemara in Brachos that David Melech would tell the other kings. The other kings were sleeping in, and David Melech says, I wake up early, and women bring me shilas about their their afterbirth, the placenta that they see, to, to rule for them if it's Tama or Tahor, if it was a, a miscarriage, or if it was something where they could be Tahor still. So David Melech and Melech Mashiach will be involved in shilas of Halacha Lemaisa, and they'll have a mikveh there on, on, on site. It's beautiful. So we are on Ayin Ches, the last of the narrow lines. Skip the parentheses. We're getting back to shoes. We said you could walk through a stream on Yom Kippur even wearing your shoes. We never said you have to take off your shoes because you're not wearing shoes in Yom Kippur. Now the Gemara asks, Shabbos, Ikaminol, my. What about, on, what about walking through a stream on Shabbos wearing your shoes? Because on Shabbos, you wear your Shabbos shoes. On Yom Kippur, you don't wear your Shabbos shoes. 
Amar Nehemia, Chotne de Venesia. So Nehemia, who had married the daughter of the Nasi, he says, Ana Chazita le Rebbe Amir Riasi. I'm sorry, Amir Riasi, we're Gedolia Dor. Dematu Urkema de Maya. Vavrua Derech Malbush. They walked through a pool of water on Shabbos, and it was Derech Malbush. They were wearing their clothing, including their shoes. They had their shoes on, walking through water on Shabbos. So the Gemara says, Tainach Minel, Sandal Ma'ikla Memer. So it's fine for a shoe, which is mamish laced on, it's attached, but a sandal where should have more concern. A sandal is strapped on, you might come to unstrap it on Shabbos. So wait, Rabbi we were talking about in Smichas Chaver, uh, washing things on Shabbos, like clothing, like shaking dust of clothing, and shoes also we mentioned. So what about walking through water in your Shabbos shoes? Is that cleaning your shoes? So we say that leather shoes are harder, and maybe you could put water, I mean, you can go through water or put water on Shabbos shoes, perhaps, depending on what they're made of, to, and it, it's, we're not really concerned you're going to be washing them. It doesn't really uh, allow a laundering just to get your shoes wet, your leather shoes wet on Shabbos. So, so I am there, so we, we don't have shear tonight, but in general, the smichas chaver, we are uh, endorsing that in the daf yomi too. So it's very good to learn halacha la about Shabbos. It's very important. So that's, they would let them walk through water with their Shabbos shoes. But a sandal is different, because a sandal's easier to take off, and we're concerned somebody might take off his sandals and carry them in Rishus Rabim while he's walking through this body of water. He walked through water on Shabbos wearing his sandals. Ravashi Amar, sandal lechatilo. Ravashi says, sandals lechatilo, we don't let people walk through water. If it's really bidyevid, maybe. Lechatilo, we don't want them to. It's a gazera, they might take off their sandals to get better traction walking through this body of water. And they're going to carry them in Rishus Rabim. It's a malach of chutzah if there's no air, if it's a problem. Reish Galusa, Ekla Lehagronia. So the Reish Galusa, who is the, the chief of the Golas, the, the Nasi of Chutzlaretz, he went to Hagronia, the Vei Rebbe Natan. He stayed with Rebbe Natan. Raphram Vekula Rabbanan, Atulapirke, and he gave a shear, and Raphram and all the rabbis came. This is the source in Shas for scholar in residence, right here in Shas. They're scholar in residence. They even had 2,000 years ago. Ravina Lo'atav. Ravina did not come to the shear that the Reish Galusa, the scholar in residence, gave. So Raphram wants to put the mind of the Reish Galusa at ease. He wants to find an explanation why Ravina didn't come, so it wouldn't be like an insult to the Reish Galusa. He wouldn't take it personally. So he talks to Ravina in front of the Reish Galusa. Why didn't the master come to the shir? My foot was aching. So he says to him, So you put, should have put a shoe on your foot to protect your foot. He says, It was on the top of my foot. So the, the top of the shoe would be rubbing on the wound and make it even worse. So he didn't have the option to wear a shoe and walk to the shear. He says, You should have strapped on a sandal and come to the shear. There's actually a, a big pool of water on the road that would have to cross with the sandal. He says, says, not a problem. You can wear your sandals walking through the water on Shabbos. He says, we're not concerned. Ravina says back, You don't hold like Ravashi. You said, He says, you shouldn't wear a sandal. He says, I hold like Ravashi. So I didn't want to wear a sandal and then might be uh, tempted to take it off on Shabbos and carry it in Rishus Harabim. Now, Rabosa, you remember from the five lines ago, Ravina did walk through a puddle on Shabbos with his sandals on. Someone saw him do it. So it seems that that Misa might have happened after. He might have sort of taken this Tolchacha and said, listen, Lechatchila, uh, I want to rely on Ravashi, but Bidiyevid, to give Kavod to the Nasi, maybe I should allow myself to wear a sandal and, and uh, go through the water. So maybe next time there was a scholar in residence, Ravina did wear sandals 
and go through the water. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe there's two different ravinas people suggest, but it could be the it could be my suggestion too. Tane Yehuda bar Grogros. So Yehuda, the son of Grogros, Rabbi there must be a story there. That is not a normal name. But Grogros, we're going to see, is a, you know, it's 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 like uh, it's like dates here. They're going to see this further on about the shirim of eating on Yom Kippur. So coming attractions for tomorrow. He says, Asur leishev al tina Yom Kippur. Don't sit in the mud on Yom Kippur. Rabbi said, Why would you want to sit in the mud on Yom Kippur? So Rashi says this is nice wet mud and he's cooling off, and it's oneg karov l'rachitza. There's a lashon of Rashi. It's an enjoyment that's kind of like washing. Okay, sitting in the mud. Listen, Rabbi, if it's a hot day, and it's nice, cool, wet mud, and it's not, it's not so muddy, it's nice and wet, it's beautiful. I mean, the, the, the chazirim are doing it. The pigs roll in the mud and cool off. So, okay, I understand maybe it's a hot day, it's nice, wet mud, and so someone would be tempted. He says, don't be tempted to sit in the mud on Yom Kippur. I'm Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Matina Mitzpacha. We're talking about wet mud. That's the problem. Wet mud is like washing. It's moist enough to moisten something else. We understand, Rabbi, say there are madregot in wetness. There are things that you, you touch them and they feel damp to the touch. When you take your hand away, there's no moisture on your hand. So that would be not a problem. That's moist. That item is moist, but it doesn't make something else moist. So Bai says the problem is items that are tofeach, that are moist, and they can make your hand moist as well. When you take your skin off, you'll see liquid on your hand. Amar Yehuda, mutter litztanem beperot. You can cool off with peyrot, with grains or fruits. Rav Yehuda mitzanen bekra. He used a gourd to cool off. So he took his watermelon or his gourd and he put it on his skin and it cooled him down. Because normally, it's not Yom Kippur, you could take water, put water on the back of your neck, on your arms, and it's, it's beautiful to cool off with. But you can't do that in Yom Kippur. So he used gourds. Rav mitzanen bianuka. Rav used children to cool off with. If the children were cool, you sit next to them. And this is why we say he was chilling with, with the guys. They were chilling together. That's, that's the origin of that phrase is right here in Shas. Everything is in Shas if you know how to look. Everything. Ravim, it's done in because of the Kaspas. Ravim used a silver goblet, nice cold silver, to cool off on Yom Kippur. If it wasn't drinking, it's was just cooling off. Amar of Papa, Kasa de Kaspa, Male Asr. If it's full of water or anything else, you can't use it to cool off. Chasr Shari. If it's not full, it's allowed. De Fakhra, if it's a clay goblet, Idi Idi Asr, Meshum de Mishchal Shachil. Both full and empty are not allowed because it, the water is going to ooze through the clay and ooze out. You've got to get water on yourself, and we're trying to avoid that. That's why we're using other objects and not water to cool off because we don't want water on your skin. Uh, Rav Ashi should be the Gersa. Amar Kasa de Kaspa Chaser Nami Aser. Even if your silver goblet is half full, Aser to use it to cool down on Yom Kippur Mishum de Miz Doriv. It's going to tip, it's going to spill out, it's going to leak, it's going to get on you. We don't want water on you. You can use empty kalim, but not kalim with liquid. So the glass is not even half full on Yom Kippur. The glass is empty, but you can use it on your forehead. You can chill with the guys. You can chill with the gourds. You can chill with the cups as long as they're empty. Ziri Barchama Ushpizchainan, Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Asi, Rabbi Yeshub, and Levi. So Zairi Barchama went as a guest to all these rabbis. And all the rabbis of Kesari showed up. Hava Amar Le, the Rav Yosef, Bere, the Rabbi Yeshub, and Levi. And who was there? Rav Yosef, the son of Yeshub, and Levi. And, they, and he told him, Bar Aryeh, you're the son of a lion. So he, said he, was, he was familiar with Rabbi Shua ben Levi, and he was a big tzaddik, and he says, Bar Aryeh, you son of a lion. Ta'im alach milsa ma'alisa ta'hava avid I'm going to tell you a great thing that your father did, that Rabbi Shua ben Levi did. Rabbi say, this is an amazing thing. If you can tell a, a son, a younger generation, something great, some chasidus that his father did, it's a wonderful thing. He'll have a pride of his mishpacha, he'll have a pride of his yichas. And vice versa, if you tell a father that his child is learning so stark, his child, you know, 
davened so well from the Ahmad, it's Hinei Matov Manayim to make, we actually say, by Eliyahu Anavi, what will Eliyahu Anavi do? He will come and he will return the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the hearts of the sons to the fathers. That's this Gemara. He's telling the son something amazing his father did, something Gishmak that he did. Uh, he says, he, Mitpachat Hayalo, he would take a towel, the air of Yom Kippurim, the Shoyatobamayim, he'd soak it in water, the Osayatakimin Kelim Niguvim, and then he would dry it out. So he'd have this towel that it was soaked and now it's dried out. But you understand there's a little bit of residual moisture in the towel. Again, not enough moisture to get water on something else, but enough moisture that it feels cool to the touch, that you know there's a little bit of water still trapped inside. Lamachar, and then the next day, Anyam Kippur, Mekaneach Ba, he would use this towel this slightly moist towel, and he would use it on Panav Yadaragalav, on his face and his hands and his feet. So he's not really washing, but he's just wiping his face and his hands and his feet with this towel that has just a tiny bit of residual moisture, but it's been basically dried out. But it's, it's, it's a cooling towel, say. Erev Tishabav, and on Erev Tishabav, Shoyota Bamaim, he would soak the towel in water, Lemachar, Mavira Algabe Enav, and he would use this towel, and it's still wet, it's not fully wrung out, it's still a little bit damp because it left overnight. Would use it to wipe his eyes. So we actually say Lamaisa, it's it's Lamaisa, we should not have a Tishbab this year, but if we happen to the Nebuch have a Tishbab this year, we should we should all be in Yerushalayim first and building a temple and seeing a stream of water going to the base Dovid and using it as a mikvah. That's what we should be doing. But if Nebuch we have a, a, a Tishbab, then the, the post game say if you once you wash your hands up to the knuckles, so you could use a little bit of water to get the schmutz out of the eyes. So that's what we're talking about. He's not Mamish washing his face, he's getting the schmutz. The, the eye schmutz off. He's just removing the schmutz. That's what he's doing with his towel. Bechen ki asa rabba bar mori amar be'er of tishabav. So he, we're going to see he switches around. He says, be'er of tishabav mevin lo mitzpachet. He brought the towel. Veshoyetza b'mayim. And he soaked it in mayim. Erev tishabav. Menicha tachat merashtav. He'd leave it under his head like a pillow and uh, the water would kind of dry out. Lemachar mekaneach panav yadavaraglav. So the first version on Yom Kippur, he was washing his panav yadavaraglav, his face, hands, and feet. And here it's still going on tishabav. Yom Kippurim mevin lo mitpachat v'shoyato b'mayim v'oseyato kemin kelim neguvim. In Yom Kippur, he would soak the towel in water and then wring it out before Yom Kippur, not doing schita, uh, and then use it lemachar mavira al gabe enav. And the next day in Yom Kippur, he would wipe his eyes. So the first version had on Tishbav he's wiping his eyes. The next version had on Yom Kippur, he was wiping his eyes with a dried out towel. Amalei Rav Yaakov the Rebbe Yirmiya bar Tachlifa Ipka Amardlan. You told us the the reverse version. You switched Yom Kippur and Tishabav the first time around. Asvidach Sita, and we told you there'd be a Sita problem if you left the towel a little bit damp on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is also ben Malacha. If you hadn't wrung out the towel in advance and got it, you know, maybe they whipped the water out, wrung the water out. If you hadn't done that in advance, you'd have this wet towel on Yom Kippur. And if you're wiping your face with a soaking wet towel, you're going to come to Sita. That would be an issue. Good. Amar of Menashe bar Tachlifa, Amar of Amram, Amar Rabba bar bar Chana. So Rabbi Menashe bar Tachlifa says, Shalu as Rabbi Elazar Zakin Yosheb Yeshiva is an elder who's already sitting in yeshiva. In this case, it means the Sanhedrin. We had this Gemara in Sanhedrin, a similar Gemara, asking this question. Tzarich little reshut lahater bechorot o enod tzarich. Does he need official permission? Does he need a license? to matir b'chorot. What's going on? A b'chor animal we give to Saeed, or any Cohen, but Saeed's in the front row, so we're going to give it to Saeed today. So, so we give him a b'chor. Your b'chor animal you give to the Cohen, and the Cohen has to bring it as a karvan, but if it gets a mum, he can eat it in the backyard as barbecue, as, as hulin, and invite all the friends, as kishmak. So the pr- issue was Kohanim sometimes would put a little peanut butter, I'm not giving any ideas, but they put a little peanut butter on the ear of the animal, and, a, and the other animal would come and take a little bite, and then they'd come show it to the hacham. Oh, is this a mum? Yeah, that's a mum. And now they could eat it in the backyard. They didn't have to schlep it to the temple. 
So he's, you know, it's the same as, as like shechut echutz. We talked about maybe there's a taiva. Oh, we want to eat. We want to eat meat in our backyard. We want to eat slaw. We want to eat meat outside the temple without having to go through all the rigmarole and waiting in line at the, the, the mishkan or at the temple. So here too, sometimes the kohanim or chashudim were suspected of causing mooming on their animals. So maybe you need a real expert to determine if this moom is a real moom or if the Cohen, uh, you know, did shtick and now it's a moom. So you really needed expertise to determine if it was a moom. There's actually Gemara Sanhedrin, Rebbe, Rebbe Yudah Nasi, spent 18 months uh, on a farm to figure out all the mooming, to become an expert in what's a moom over, a temporary moom, and a moom kavua, a permanent moom that's going to be, uh, allow this animal to be eaten outside of the temples. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. So you, it needed a lot of expertise to, down a moom. So the shaila here is someone's already in the Sanhedrin. He's already a gadolador. He's already an expert. Does he need to get official permission from the Nasi to be a judge on mooms, a moomin or not? What is what question are we asking? This is what he's really asking. Like what Rav Idi Bar Avin said, This item we left for the household of the Nasi, of the president. Uh, to get uh, Rashi says Lashon Gadula to get respect, like it, it, you have you have to get official permission to rule to judge to give a psakalacha on mumin. You have to go to the nasi and get permission. It gives kavo to the nasi that even the the gadoliador are going to the nasi to get official permission to do this kind of halacha. Maybe he's already got a lador, he's already worthy of the Sanhedrin. Maybe he doesn't need, maybe he didn't uh, leave this over to the Nasi to become great with, to give cover to the Nasi. So Rav Tzadik stood up on his feet. He says, I saw myself at Rabbi Yossi ben Zimra. Rabbi Yossi ben Zimra, he was a member of the Sanhedrin, he was a got a lador. Mizikno, and he stood up on the step, Mizikno Shazay, from the grandfather of this Nasi. So the, the two Nasis ago, the grandfather of the current Nasi, g- gave permission to Rabbi Yossi ben Zimra, who was a member of the Sanhedrin, Natal Rashut Hatir Bechorot, and he got Rashut, he got official license to Matir Bechorot, to allow a to allow them to eat a Bechor outside the temple. Amr le Rabbi Ava, lo kachaya maise. Rabbi says, oh, I was there, that's not what happened. Kachaya maise, Rabbi Yossi ben Zimra, Kohen Haya. He was a Kohen. And this is what he's asking. He's, he was asking, Halacha Rabbi Meir, is the Halacha by a Kohen ruling on Mum of a Bechor, like Rabbi Meir? What, what did Rabbi Meir say? To Amar Chashud Badavar, someone who's Chashud, and the Kohanim were suspected of putting peanut butter on the ear and shtick like this. Lo Danu, Idu. And Rabbi Meir says, a Kohen who's suspected about maybe doing shtick on a Bechor should not be a judge or a witness about the Mum on a Bechor. Maybe the halacha is like Rabbi Shimon Gamliel who argues with Rabbi Meir. He would be believed about a different Kohen's animal. But he's not believed to be a judge or witness on his own animal. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says we don't suspect the Kohanim of colluding together to say, listen, I'll matir your bechor, and you'll say that my bechor got a mumba mamela, and, and then we can all have a big barbecue together. So he says they're not hushed on this. Upashat le, they answered the question to Rabbi Yossi ben Zimra, Allah Rabbi Shimon and Gamliel, the Allah Rabbi Shimon and Gamliel, that a Kohen could rule on the bechor of a different Kohen, but not on his own. But we see he wasn't getting official permission, he wasn't didn't need to apply for a license to be matir bechor, he just needed to clarify what the halacha is like so he could rule on a different Kohen's bechor. The two come by and he also asked, and that's why this Gemara is here, about saying, What about walking out with a sandal made of sha'am, of reeds, 
Yom Kippurim. So this was their ancient equivalent of Crocs. They had these little reed slippers, so basically a slipper, and it was made of sham. It was sort of a flimsy material. Can we use it on Yom Kippur? Amr Rabbi Yitzhak bar Nachami al Roglov, and Rabbi Yitzhak stood up and he said, Amr, he said, Ani ra'iti et Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. I saw Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, the great one, the Aryeh, we saw. He said, he went out, he was wearing a sham, his reed croc, his reed slipper on Yom Kippur. And I asked him, what about on a different tiny? Can you wear such a shoe as well? And what you have to know is we wore shoes yesterday. It was a tiny tzibber. We're talking about a tiny tzibber for rain. Uh, if there was no rain, then we look, we're going to learn in, uh, in Tanit, actually, coming attractions. We're going to learn in Tanit, when there was no rain for a while, you started a series of public fasts, and including these fasts where they were metane, they would take off their shoes. There's this famous Gemara that Rav Yehuda would take off, when, when the rain wouldn't fall, Rav Yehuda would take off his shoes, and rain would fall. And that's, this is, uh, this is um, Rav Nabayer are complaining. So it's Rav Nabayer saying, all, all Rabbi Yudah had to do was take off his shoes and rain would fall. And he only learned Seder Neziki. And he only learned was Neziki. And our yeshiva learns everything. We learn all the shas. And we're crying and davening and we don't get rain yet. So we, we see that they would take off their shoes for a tiny tzibur for rain. He says, what about a tiny tzibur? Because you wear these um, sandals of sham, these reed slippers. Amrlei Loshna. He says, no different even for this, this tinies for rain. When they were davening and fasting for rain, they could also wear these slippers. I'm a Rabbi Barachana, Ani Reiti, at Rabbi Elazar de Min Ninveh. I saw Rabbi Elazar from Ninveh. This is the famous Ninveh. Who went to Ninveh, Rabbi Elazar? Yeah, yeah, Yonah. Yonah Matzah Bamanach. But he went to Ninveh as the prophet for Ninveh. And amazingly enough, he had a prophecy Ninveh would be destroyed. And what happened? Was Ninveh destroyed? No, they did Chuva. <laughs> Chuva saves. Chuva works. It works. Baruch Shem. So. He saw Rabbi Elazar from Ninveh, he was wearing this sandal shosham, betani tzibur, on a public fast day where they're fasting and davening for rain. Aminale, and I asked him, Yom Kippur, am I? Can I wear such a thing on Yom Kippur? Amrle Loshna, it's also allowed on Yom Kippur. It's not considered a real shoe. Rabbi Yehuda Nachvik Bede Hitni, he went out with this other sort of uh, Hitni slipper, with this sort of flimsy slipper. Bai Nafik Bidahutse, he went out with this, uh, this, this like woven reed slipper. Ravanafik Bidivli, it should be Bidikle, a slipper made of palm, a sort of a palm branch kind of shoe. It's not really a shoe, it's sort of a, a slipper, a, a, a crock. Rababar Ravhuna, Korich Sudra Kore Vinafik. So Rababar Ravhuna, he would wrap handkerchief around his feet, it means two handkerchiefs, he had two feet with both sides, and he would go out with handkerchiefs on his feet. It's like a little protection for your feet without being a, a shoe or a sandal, not falling under that halachic category. Masiv Rami Barhama Hakiteya. So if I have a problem, can you really go out wearing such a, a, a this reed slipper? But a kiteya, nebuch an amputee. So nebuch he had diabetes or an injury or something, and they had to amputate a foot. So Yotze Bekavshalo. He can go out with his kav. His kav is his wooden prosthetic foot. We learned about this in Maseches Shabbos. If this is an issue on Shabbos for him to wear his foot, which is also functioning now like a shoe. So we're assuming maybe it's usher like a shoe on Yom Kippur. David Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir says he can go out on Shabbos with his kav, with his wooden prosthetic foot. Rabbi Yose, Oser, Rabbi Yose says, no. The Tanei Allah, Shavin, Sha'asr, let's say, Babi Yom Kippur. They agree, so both sources agree that on Yom Kippur, he can't wear his kav, his wooden foot shoe prosthetic. Am Rabbi, Hasam de Isbeh Ketitin. Rabbi says, that's only Asr on Yom Kippur when it has Ketitin, it has padding in it. So it'd be sort of a, like a picture, like a clog, like a wooden clog, and on the bottom there's padding because he has this stump and for the comfort of his stump, we put pads in the bottom of this kav, of this uh, prosthetic, so he can, he can walk in it comfortably. Mishum tanug, and it's actually an issue of tanug. So Abai is saying it's not necessarily that we consider it a shoe on Yom Kippur. We consider it a tanug, that he's stepping on these nice pads that are protecting his foot on Yom Kippur. 
Amalei Rava, Elav Manahu says if if this kav, this wooden prosthetic, is not a kli, Katiti Mishavi Lamana, it's just putting a pad in it can make it a kli. So it's not a kli, what are you making it a kli? But just putting a pad in it for the comfort of his stump. The uh, ode, and also Koltanug Dalav Minol, who be a kipper, me asar. So you're telling me the problem is not, so you're, Abai, you're telling me the problem is not that it's a shoe, but the problem is there's a pad in this prosthetic and it's giving him comfort. Is really comfort that's not a shoe asar. So we see that our sages would wear a reed slipper, and we see one of our sages would wrap a handkerchief around his feet and go out, and that's for comfort. It's not a real shoe, but he's putting something on his feet, and Yom Kippur, we should comfort. So to this kitea, the amputee, lo'aleinu, he's using these pads for comfort. So the issue, if you're telling me it's not a shoe, there shouldn't be any issue at all with it. If it's not a shoe, it's not usher, because the pads also wouldn't be usher. It's, it's, it's not really a tanug that's usher. In the Seifa, we learned the Seifa, the Mishnah, about Shabbos. Remember back to Shabbos, if there's a Beit Kibble, a receptacle inside of this prosthetic to keep the pads in, then it be, can become Tame. If the, if the man using it is Tame, then it too can become Tame because it's re, his stump is inside of this where the pad is. So that implies in the Reisha, there's no uh, padding in this shoe, and there's still a Machlokis, Rabbi Meir. Uh, and the Chachamim, if he could wear this shoe on Shabbos, but they agree that it's Asar Yom Kippur. So he, it's Asar that this wooden clog prosthetic is like a shoe. They agree it's like a shoe. This wooden kav is like considered a shoe on Yom Kippur, even though it's not leather. Over Shabbos and on Shabbos. And here's their Machlogis. So one opinion says this wooden prosthetic, it might fall off his stump, and he's going to come carry it in Rosh Hashanah Rabbim on Shabbos, and that's why he shouldn't be allowed to carry it, because he's going to come Asila Suye Dalit Amos. Remember, Dalit Amos is the share of Hotzah, of, of carrying something in a public domain on Shabbos. So if he doesn't have an Eruv, and we don't want him to wear this thing on Shabbos, because it could easily fall off, and then he's going to come to carry his kav, his wooden prosthetic, on Shabbos. And Mars of our logo is written, everyone says, we're not concerned it's going to fall off, the mayor says we're not so worried, we're not choshed here that he's going to fall off and carry it. So we see that but perhaps, according to Rava, this wooden shoe is considered a shoe on Yom Kippur. So it's a discussion in the postgame if Davka is leather shoes or if it's also wooden shoes, that clogs might be also be usher on Yom Kippur. So it's better to stick to your, your slippers made of reeds or nowadays the crocs. Everyone agrees they're not considered a shoe. They're not wood, they're not leather, they're not really made as a gishmaka shoe, as there's another opinion um, about the post game, even something that provides good protection and support might also be considered a shoe, even if it's not leather or wood. So we, we don't we don't poskin like that. But if it's a flimsy thing, these these things most people wear, it's not an issue at all. If Elma, as we saw, they're wearing slippers made of reeds. the young children, bekulan, they're mutter to engage in all the activities that are usher for adults. Remember the Mishnah list, listed. There's achila, there's shtia. There's Nila Sasandal, there's Rachita, Sicha, Tashmishamita. So the children can, are not usher in these chutz, Manila Tasandal, but you can't put sandals on the children. This means the real shoes, like leather sandals, leather shoes, real shoes. Of course, they can wear the, the, the Crocs. Maishna Nila Sasandal, what's different about wearing shoes? The Amre Inche, people are going to say, the Amre, sorry, the Amre Inche Avdule. The people are going to see children wearing sandals and wearing shoes on Yom Kippur and say, the grown-ups put the shoes on the children. So what? So if children are mutter to wear shoes, what's the problem with grown-ups putting them on? So there's a whole sugya, everybody say. The sugya is called katan uh, ochel nevelas. So what if you see a katan and he's eating a nevela? Do you have an obligation to stop him? 
he's a katan, so he's not bar mitzvah, he's not chayev, but he's eating something, and you know it's a nevela, you know it's not kosher, you know it doesn't have a heksher, should you scream at the boy and stop him? So, mishum chinuch, good. Who has a mitzvah of chinuch? Anyone know? Parents. Parents. So we say, if you're the boy's father, yes, be megayar, be growl at him, scream at him, and make sure he's mafresh from the velas. But we say there's no general obligation. If a katan is doing something that's not mutter, there's no general obligation to run in and stop him. There's no obligation on the sibra. The obligation is on the parents to, to be, to be mechanachim and to stop him. That's katan of the velas. But you can't machil him the velas. You can't feed a katan the velas, God forbid. Uh, not just the parents, but anyone can't give a child something also. So we have to be careful if we're handing out candy at shul, it has to have a heksher on both sides. It's pashtas. You have to give the kids candy with a heksher. I've had an issue sometimes. Someone gave a kid a candy at shul, there's no heksher on it. Okay, maybe it was kosher, fine, there's a heksher on the bag, whatever. But you have to be careful not to be machil them nevelis. That's on anybody. So here too, if you're putting a shoe on a katzen on Yom Kippur, it just doesn't look right. Now, a katzen, uh, he's a katzen, he's not high in the mitzvahs yet. But for a gadol to put a shoe on a katan on Yom Kippur, it just looks wrong. It's like machil nevelus. That's the issue there. But really, it's the parent's obligation to be machanech and to separate them from isurim. But you can't give a child an, uh, an isur. Just like we don't, we don't hand a nazir a glass of grape juice. You know, just, we, just, we don't do that kind of thing. But for a katan also, we want to be careful to, uh, to, to prepare them. Of course, if you hear a katan saying Lashon Hara, something like this, something where... You know, never people get used to certain things. If someone starts saying Lashon Hara at a young age and they keep going and going and no one tells them to stop, then it's very hard to change. And we, and we see this in, in, the, in the Tanakh and in, in the Chumash by, you know, by, by Esav. That Esav didn't get a proper Chinuch because his father said, oh, well, let him do his thing. He's, you know, he's coming to me, he's paying respect. I'm not giving proper Chinuch. David Melech and Avshalom. That Avshalom never got a proper rebuke from his father and ended up going really off the derech and starting a civil war. So it's, it's really, you know, it's what we said yesterday, it's a mitzvah to rebuke only when things are heard. So we have to we understand that Chazal say we pull with the right and we push with the left because the right is stronger than the left. You pull people closer and the, the method of Aaron Cohen, how Aaron Cohen would uh, help raise people up and prevent fights and bring peace between husband and wife Aaron Cohen would go and make friends with them. Chazal say Aaron Cohen would go personally and put his arm around them, make friends. How you doing? And the person who's got the problem would say, Aaron Cohen is my friend. I can't scream at my kids. I can't throw plates in my kitchen when the, my wife burns the dinner. I can't act like that. Aaron Cohen is my friend. I'm a chashuv guy. I can't act like an animal. So just mamela by be, befriending someone and bringing them into your circle, bringing them close to you, be, being being a chaver with them. You know, then you can raise someone's level because they're not going to want to act badly. They're going to want to act like your friend because they're your friend. So maybe we lift everyone up like this. This is This is you don't want to put sandals on the kids, but we want everyone to be raised to a higher level, but not by screaming at them and rebuking them and insulting them, but by really getting together with them and being chaverim. So maybe that's why they had a problem. But Sadiqim and Yerushalayim had a problem befriending the Ovdei Abudazara and lifting them to the next level. That's why they didn't protest, perhaps. So we're, we're trying to be more at from yesterday's stuff. So good. So they couldn't wear they couldn't wear sandals on the kids. My shnani let sandal. Why? In They'd say that the adults, the parents, put the sandals on. Hanach nami. What if you see a child who's freshly washed and anointed on Yom Kippur? Amre in The parents wash him and anointed him on Yom Kippur, and that's also that's a problem. It's a bigger problem because the parents are going to get wet and get oil on them. So the parents are going to come to be washed and oiled mamela by washing the children. So that's a big problem. So, so if a child is clean and oiled, to say, listen, they did it 
Erev Yom Kippur, right before Mincha, they gave everybody a bath. That's Gishmak to do, you know. Like, we make our children take a bath, Erev Shabbos, even if they don't need it. At least Erev Shabbos, even if you don't need at least once a week, it's very good, very Gishmak. We're going to see bathing is a good segula here. We're going to see that coming up. Sandal Nami, So maybe they put the sandals on yesterday. Sandal Lov, You can't have a sandal from yesterday. You can't have a shoe on yesterday today. No one's going to think if they see a kid wearing sandals, wearing shoes on Yom Kippur, that they put the shoes on yesterday. Uh, you know what death is like? We're both saying, what is death like? Put on your shoes and go to bed. That's like death. Okay, I don't know how much like death that's like, but Shmuel was a doctor, and apparently there's a medical problem or a psychological problem of putting on your shoes and going to bed. It's going to cause issues. It's going to be a little bit shtickle like death. Even sleeping itself is one second of death. But sleeping the shoes on is even worse. So no one's going to put shoes on their kid and send them to bed and then they'll wake up the next day with their shoes on. No one does that. Please do not try this at home. Shmuel's a doctor. He knows what he's talking about. But you're telling me a child could, could in theory wear shoes. He's a child. So these things, so, so a, a child could, could not wear sandals at all. So a child should not wear shoes at all. Uh, on Yom Kippur, uh, so he says these things that are the law of Saihu, that are they're not for the growth and development of the child. That's where there's a gezeira. So these things that are not absolutely necessary, there's no gezeira. So the sandals, it's really an issue of Marisayan. They're going to say the, the grown-ups put them on, but they're not really necessary for a child's growth and development. The Rabaye, Amrli M, Abaye was an orphan. So he says Amrli M, it's not his mother, it's his nurse who raised him. Revise Dianuka for the normal growth and development of a young baby needs Maya Chamime. He needs a hot bath. Umishcha needs to be oiled. So babies need to be bathed and oiled. That's why they make baby oil or bosine. Godel Porta, once he gets a little bigger and he eats solid food already. Biatabakukta, you feed him the egg in the kutach. Remember what's kutach? It's a dip. It's the moldy bread and the spoiled milk and the salt. So delicious. At least the egg is healthy. There's a Gemara in Brachas that says eggs and meat are very healthy. So I, I hold by that. It's a Gishmaka Gemara. So at least give him the eggs and the kutach. Once he can have solid food, Galaporta. He gets a little bigger already. He's walking around. He's doing things, exploring the world. Tavori uh, Mane. He's going to break Kalim. Okay. Kiha Rabba Zovin Le Mane Gzize Dafacha. That Rabba, Rabba the great Rabba, he would buy cracked clay vessels for his child, Livne, for his son, and he would break them. It's amazing. He would buy cracked things, cheap things for his son, and with the knowledge the kid is going to break them. This is the Makor Shas. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Things will break. If you buy expensive toys and Kaleem for your children, that's your own loss. Because boys will be boys. It's right here in the Gemara. Tavoy Mane. Boys will break stuff. So you have to have the expectation as a parent and not get angry. Again, don't get angry with the kids. Pull them closer, show them love. They're going to break stuff. It's right here in Shas. It's just, that's how it goes. Boys will be boys. Hamelech ve'kola, next section of the Gemara, the king and the newlywed bride, yirchatsu et pedechem, they're allowed to wash their face. Remember, that was Rabbi Eliezer's opinion. Masnisin mani, it's Rabbi Hananya ben Tradion. The Mishnah follows the statement of Rabbi Hananya ben Tradion. Even though we're citing Rabbi Eliezer in the Mishnah, he the Tanya, there's a b'raisa, ha-melech ve'kala lo yirchatsu b'nehem. So the, the rabbis had said, the king and the kala cannot wash their face. Rabbi Hananya ben Tradion, Omer Mishum Rabbi Eliezer. So he's saying in the name of Rabbi Eliezer, ha-melech ve'kala yirchatsu b'nehem. They can wash their face on Yom Kippur. Remember, just wiping the eyes with a towel 
was not a problem. The towel has a little residual moisture. It's not wet to make something else wet, but a little residual moisture to wipe the eyes was definitely okay. But here, talking about washing the whole face, not just washing your face. And this aligns with the Rambam and the Renu Tam that we brought that only Achila and Shtia and Malacha are also deraisa on Yom Kippur, but the other Inuyim are an Esmachta, they're a Dirabona. Now we found sources in scripture defining all these Inuyim of the Tashmish and the oiling and the washing and all of these things. We found sources for it, but it seems like according to the Rambam and the Rabbeinu Tam at least, it's an Esmachta, it's a Dirabonan, and that's why, since it's a Dirabonan, the rabbis allowed, at least Rabbi Eliezer allowed, to the king and the kola to wash up uh, good. And the chaya here, sometimes it means the midwife, but here it means the, the woman who just gave birth. Lo tinel es hasadol. She can't wear a sandal. Rabbi Hanani ben Shradion, and maybe Shuvah Eliezer, chaya tinel es hasadol. She can wear shoes. We're going to see why in just a minute. My time, uh, Melech. Why can the Melech wash his face? Mishim dechsev. Melech biyofyov techazena enecha. Your eyes should see a king in his glory. And we know from Brachas, a little Chazar of Brachas, when we see the Jewish king, we make a bracha. And Hashem was mechalek, his kavod, to basar vedam. Hashem gave kavod to, uh, to, to human beings because the kavod of a melech is ke'ain. It reminds us of the kavod of a Kaddish Baruch So to go see, a, go see a Jewish king to make a bracha is a wonderful thing. So the king should always look good. You know, the king should always has to look presentable. And even um, uh, the... There's a Gemara, and I can't remember where the Gemara is, but Hillel would wash his face every day, and they said, why would you do that? He says, to, to give kavod. My, my face is like the image of Hashem. It's Cain, the image of Hashem. We're saying we're made in God's image. So I want to look presentable, so people will see me, and they'll say, they'll, they'll look, people are looking up to me. I want to look presentable as a kavod for Hashem, who created me. Not for my own kavod, but for the kavod of Hashem. So here too, the melech is Cain, the kavod of Hashem, and we want to go and take a bracha on the king, and we, he has to look right. That's the Shiloh. Should you go and find a dictator to make a bracha? Because there's another bracha in, in bracha. I can't remember the exact year, because I've never had to make the bracha. You get, it's a machlokis if you can make the bracha on the president. So some people, when they see the president, depending on their political affiliation, they might make the bracha without shame of machos, that Hashem has given some kavo to Basar Vadam. But to go and find like a mamish, like a dictator, like the king of Saudi Arabia or something like this, or like mamish, like a, a Putin or something, like a dictator has absolute power, you can make a bracha on that, that Hashem has given him power. Maybe it's not so posh to go and seek out a dictator to, just to make a bracha. It's a little shtickle sakana. But people on the president, they'll make a bracha without shame and malchus, depending on, their, on how they vote. So Baruch Hashem, that's a whole sugya. But uh, the melech has to look good. He has to look presentable. So Kala, my timer, why does the Kala have to wash her face? She should, and she's allowed, but she should wash her face in Yom Kippur. They should tisgana obayla. She will not be repulsive to her husband. They're both sides. They're newlyweds. It's an amazing statement. They just got married, and she should wash her face. She doesn't be repulsive. They just got married. She's going to be repulsive to her husband. So I think, this is my speculation. So listen, while they were dating, she was wearing makeup. And if they were chassidisha, he only saw her once or twice. If they were chassidisha, you know. So they, you know, chassidisha dating. And, you know, but she's always wearing makeup. She had her hair done. And now they just got married a few days before Yom Kippur. And it's Yom Kippur. She can't wear the makeup. She can't wash her face. God forbid, if she will at least let her wash her face and look presentable. Otherwise, it's shocking, you know, shocking. The chassan was under the impression, plus like, makeup is a multi-billion dollar business for good reason. And chachamim allow peddlers to come in and sell tachshidin, sell cosmetics. It's, in, it's throughout Shas. There are many places where we mention that it's big business to go into cosmetics. Tachshidin nashim. You know, special clothing and makeup for women is very important. We mentioned yesterday that an inui is not having relations. If, if, 
remember what, um, what Lavan told Yaakov, if you're ma'ane, my daughters, not having relations with them, reducing, reducing that with them, reducing the attention they're getting, we see it's very important for a woman's self-esteem that she looks good to her husband. It's very important. And if your wife makes an effort to look good, whether it's going to the gym, putting on makeup, wearing nice clothing, you should appreciate that. She's making an effort. It's time. It's tircha. She's putting work into it. It's right here in Shas. A woman wants to be loved and beautiful and appreciated. And if she's putting in the effort, it's up to us, the husbands, to notice that and praise her for that. Because whatever you praise a woman for, you get more of. If you praise her for cooking, you get more cooking. If you praise her for looking good, she'll try to look good. If you praise her for raising the kids in a nice way and speaking to them calmly, she'll, she'll make an effort to do that. So this is, again, the same concept we talked about the children. You pull them close with the right. Sometimes you have to push with the left, but you're definitely pulling with the right. Whatever you appreciate someone for, they, they'll try to do it. You know, people, Baruch Hashem, most people, most of the time, normal people, not, not psychopaths, but people are people pleasers. People want to get along. If you praise them, you get, you get more of what you praise. You always get more of what you praise. So be careful what you praise. Because if you praise people for the wrong thing, you get more of the wrong thing. But here, it's beautiful, this woman, is trying, making an effort to wash her face. So at least on Yom Kippur, when she doesn't have any makeup, she's low tiskani al-baila. They're newlyweds. She doesn't want to shock her husband who's seeing her for the first time, perhaps without makeup. Amr le rav the rev kola ad kama. How far does the extension of kala go? How long is the heter? Amr le kitatanya, like the b'risa says, en monin tachshitin min kala koshloshim yom. We don't withhold makeup from the kala all 30 days. This is a Nebuch case. What happens if the mother of the bride passed away on the wedding day? And the Gemara says, if they already ordered all the food, the catering's already been done, everything is set up, we let the wedding go forward. And the Manashem, her mother just died, but what would the mother have wanted? She would have wanted her daughter to have her beautiful wedding. It's already set up, it's already ready to go. And then the, the Avelis, the morning, kicks in after the Sheva Brachas. But we say even though she's now in mourning after the Sheva Brachas, all 30 days she gets to put on makeup. She's a kala. She's a kala. She should look good. She's lotus kadeobala. She should make the effort and start this this marriage, this relationship off on the right foot and the right face. Achaya, Tidalas Asandal, the Chaya can wear shoes, according to Rayazar, Mishum Tsina, because the floor is very cold. Achaya was in Sakana. She just gave birth and we we let her be Mahala Shabbos to take care of her medical condition. She just gave birth, she's in danger. So she shouldn't be walking barefoot or wearing slippers on the cold floor. She can wear mamish sandals. If there's scorpions around, even everybody can wear shoes. So if there are scorpions on Yom Kippur, it, if I see you in shoes on Yom Kippur, I'm going to know that there were scorpions outside your house on the way to shul. That's what it is. We are caught up.